Would you turn again to the portion of Scripture we read, Romans chapter 1. In the familiar words of verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The book of Romans, as has been said by uh, John Calvin, uh, to the book that opens the door to all the treasures of Scripture. Martin Luther saw it as the chief book in the New Testament. You know, of course, that was in this very book that Luther uh, changed his view as he was with a Catholic view before, but came to believe particularly in justification. And these great men and many others uh, see this uh, letter to the Romans as the key to much of what the rest of Scripture speaks about. There is, of course, that great emphasis in it of justification by faith alone without works. Now, of course, it is not always an easy book to read, but it is a book that is worth spending time on. And I say that one of these books that Possibly it would be very helpful to most of us to read it with some commentary alongside at the same time. There is here, I suppose we could say, the heart of the gospel, the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth. That is the gospel message itself. But anyone now surely can understand what that is saying. Whatever else is difficult, to read in the book of Romans, in the letter of Romans, there are some texts, and this is one of them, that is in one sense clear as crystal to any what exactly is being said to us. It is here then uh, an explanation of what is required. And what is required for all is the great truth that God, and through the power of God, that there is salvation for us. Now, the gospel, when it is preached, is the way that God has particularly used down through the generations uh, to the preaching of the gospel, I should say, down through the generations where People have come to know the Lord. It's not the only way, of course, but it's the particular way that God has, has put elsewhere through the foolishness of preaching that the people are to hear particularly the word of God. Now, friends, it is one thing uh, to say we believe the gospel or even to say that we preach the gospel, but another thing to say do we live it in our lives? 
is that evidence in our lives that not only have we heard it, but that we believe it and that we live it. And that's the great question, is it not? Where is the evidence of the gospel having transformed your own life and mine? It is a question for us all. It is one thing to see it. It is another thing to live it. The story is told of many years ago of a minister who was preaching in London uh, to the king and uh, on this very text. But everyone knew that this preacher's life was not what it should have been as a preacher of the gospel, as a professing Christian. And he preached on this text. And when he finished, it seems, the king said to him at the end of the sermon, you say, he said, you preach that you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I fear the life that you live, that the gospel would be ashamed of you. What a fearful thing to think, friends, that that could be true of any of us here tonight. That we are not what we ought to be according to what we profess. You see, to speak it, to say we believe it, to preach it even, and to live as we ought to live can be different things altogether. And I would like tonight, friends, to challenge us all, and I include myself in this, to challenge our Christianity tonight regarding our witness in the world around us. And also to seek to confront maybe some of you here who see yourselves as believers, but as, as it were, seeked disciples. Is it right to be? Are you a disciple? Are you a follower of the Lord? Do you live it out according to what you profess in your own heart or even publicly in this very congregation. Well, to look first of all, and three, three headings, simple headings tonight, who is speaking here, what he was not ashamed of, and are we ashamed and why we should not be? Who is speaking here? Well, we know, of course, this is the great apostle Paul, the great apostle who had done so much damage before he became an apostle. Here is one now who wasn't always an apostle. There was a time when he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as he said himself. One of those who was so religious. And I fear, friends, that can be true for many still. A religiosity about so many people. You might be here tonight, and that is all that is true of you. You may outwardly, and Paul would have seen how people would have looked at him, the great Pharisee who was so zealous about the things of God. And there are many people who give that impression, that they are so zealous about the things of God. But what exactly does that mean? What is involved in that for them? Here was this apostle, uh, uh, Pharisee of the Pharisee, of that religious sect who, who, who had hated for all that the Lord Jesus Christ stood for. They were full of religion. These learned men who would look down at others, 
And so was Paul up at this time until he was converted. Yes, he was a man who was highly educated. A man who could argue out the things of God. A man who knew the scriptures. A man who would be able to defend the scriptures. As he knew them, the Old Testament scriptures of his day. He would be able to do that without question. The man who sat at the feet of the great teacher, it seems, Gamaliel. And he was a Roman citizen. He was this man, and everything seemed to be going for him. He would, we would say, oh, he was on the way up. He was doing well for himself, as far as worldly attainment was concerned. Here is a man who was respected. Here is a man who had his own way in so many ways. Here is a man who did everything according to the book. Fearful thing, friends, that we can be those who do everything according to the book, and yet our hearts not right before God. And here was this man then, who was so important until one day, on that great day on the road to Damascus, and everything changed. His whole life changed, not just his his, his outward form in the sense of where he went and what he did, but his thinking. Here is a man who had hated Christians, who had despised all that they stood for. And here is a man who was actively putting some of them to prison, and yes, even to death. But the change came. The Lord met with him. And what was he? He was transformed by the power of God. Isn't that what he says here, even for thinking about it, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He knew something about the power of God, the transformation that came about by the Spirit of God at work in his life now. Everything had changed, and so he became a new man in Christ. A new man, and in a sense at least, surely that should be true of all of us, if we say that we're Christians tonight. There should be a transformation. Everybody should know and see that you have changed. It should not just be something that you say. It should be seen and evident in your life. Your family certainly should see it. Your work colleagues should see it. Your neighbors should see it. There should be a transformation as there was in this man's life. Now, we're not all going to be Paul's, but there'll be one thing we'll have in common, a transformation of life. Things will not be as they were before. Yes, we know, of course, with him that some initially, remember, or some doubted that he had changed. Some other Christians, they couldn't believe that he had changed. Remember, Ananias said by the Lord to Paul, and he said, is that not the man I have heard of? How much evil he hath done against the saints of God? A change. They couldn't believe it. Maybe there's some of you here tonight. And when the Lord came into your life, some people could hardly believe it. The transformation that came into your life. It was seen, it was evident. But it did happen. But it wasn't just that some 
believed it eventually? Why did they believe it eventually about the change in your own life by the way you lived particularly? The change that came in how you lived, the change that came in what you spoke of, the change that came in where you went and where you did not go. There'll be that great change that the Lord had changed him. He had changed him in a way that only he could done. And you see, friends, for you and I tonight, if we are the Lord's, it's the same Lord. It's the same grace. That is exactly the same. Oh, yes, it may not be a Damascus Road experience for you, but it's the same Lord by his Holy Spirit who quickens and who transforms, who changes everyone. As I said, not always a Damascus Road conversion. Well, it's fine if you have, but it doesn't need to be. It can sometimes be the still, small voice drawing you, believing, but nevertheless bringing a person, whether a Paul or anyone else, to the same condition, you're right, standing right before God. That's what's necessary. That's what you need. That's what I need. To be right before God, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. This is what is necessary for us all. That's what Paul needed. Nothing less would do. That's what you and I need. Nothing less will do but to know this for ourselves. The power of God and recognizing that power of God and acknowledging God when that is so. And now you see what happens here that Paul sees Jesus in a new light. He was blind, but now he sees. And what was his testimony? Oh, he says, I am now not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Before, he couldn't stand it. He did everything his power to keep it down. But now he is standing for him. He is standing. And we know the history. He was in prison many times and beaten. But he was not ashamed always willing to stand on the side of the Lord. Here is a man then who was a hater of, of Christ. Here was a man who persecuted the people of God and now a transformation. No time for the things of God, but now, ah, oh, what a difference. And how he was used by the Lord. My dear friend, tonight, you recognize some change in your own life. Can you say, oh, I know I'm not a Paul, but you are. What was Paul? A changed man. You may not have the gifts of God. I will not have the gifts of God, gifts of Paul in that way that he was used. But nevertheless, it's the same power. And if it were God's will to make you a Paul, he would make you a Paul. But what matters is, more than anything else, to know something of this in your own life, the power of God and to salvation. That's what changed. So thought this man who was darkness into light and became a light to many indeed as well. So here then who's speaking is one who was an enemy at one time. Paul, Saul of Tarsus. And what then, secondly, was he not? ashamed of. Well, here and now in Rome, we know, of course, which was the chief city in the known world at the time, a place that was full of idolatry. It wasn't an easy place to be a Christian. It wasn't an easy place 
to witness in any way whatsoever. Here were those who were puffed up, the Romans, with their pride and defeating and conquering armies wherever they went. Here there were those who would, who would treat Christians as nothing, throw them to the, to the end wherever they went. Do you remember in one of our trips to Israel, seeing one of these arenas where they used to throw the Christians to the lions? A horrendous thought. This was what they did. But now Paul, now knowing these things, he was not ashamed. He was not ashamed at all to stand with them before he would, as it were, put out his amen to it. But that change had come. And do you recognize that tonight in your own life? Do you know something of a transformation? Well, if it is this kind of transformation, it is only by the power of God. Nothing else could do it for you. And this is what we have here. Here is a man now that before, who had no time for the way, but now that has changed. He sees everything in a different light. And this place and the Roman Empire full of great scholars, philosophers, war leaders, yet here is the apostle now saying, I trust and believe not in the great leaders, not in the warmongers, not in the philosophers, but in the carpenter of Nazareth. Oh, how they couldn't understand that. But that's what he's saying. This is what he's now doing. Those that he's writing to in Rome, he's saying this to them. I'm not ashamed to show it. I'm not ashamed to show that I believe in Christ. And dear friend, that's what should be true of you and I. If we are Christians tonight, if we have been brought from darkness to light, oh, not to be ashamed to say so and to show this to the world. I mean, after all, what you mentioned the difficulty for him, we live in a far easier day than he was in, despite all the darkness we're in. After all, what he was now listening, they were following a group that were leaders of unlearned fishermen. And these now, as it were, with this new religion, people didn't want to know. But he was not ashamed to stand and say what he believed. And there's still those who despise Christianity. You don't have to look very far for it. Whatever nation you are in, whatever part of the country you are in, people who mock and ridicule Christianity, if you say you believe the Bible, you are mocked immediately. You are persecuted for it. It's as if you're a simpleton. How can you believe that nonsense? We've got evolution and we've got the Dawkins of this world and all these. You must listen to them. Well, Paul had all these philosophers, these great teachers, but I'm not ashamed. He is willing to follow the Lord Jesus. And he states clearly that he's not ashamed. And what did he believe most of all in? Well, he believed in this power of God unto salvation. That word, as you well know, it is the word we get in, in the Greek. It is the word for dynamite. It is that power. I am not ashamed of, of the powerful dino, the explosion of the gospel. And that's what it is, the power of God. This is the only way to be saved. This is what I believe in now. Not for Paul, any other gospel. 
not for Paul any longer listening to the philosophers of Rome with their man-centered religiosity. It is for him now Christ and Christ only. Him only must I believe. And he believes, as he says elsewhere, remember, writing to the Galatians, if any preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. This is the gospel. This is the Christ. This is what I'm not ashamed of. This is what I'll never speak about. Whatever anyone else says, this is what I believe. You believe what you like. This is what I believe because I know now the power of God in my life. And this, he says, is what is necessary. And I am not ashamed of it. Maybe I think here it could be implying that maybe others uh, were implying that there was another way. But he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Maybe there were those who were find, hiding the fact that they were believers and finding the persecution hard, and it wasn't easy. There's no doubt at all about it that this man was given particular grace in all that he had to face. And it's not always, friends, easy to be a Christian. It's not always easy to tell others that you have come to know the Lord. It's not always easy to witness to others. But here was Paul imprisoned, had been imprisoned time and time again. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was, he was chased out of places. They didn't want to know. And yet, he's not ashamed. Some called him a babbler, but he was still not ashamed. Maybe that's happened to yourself. Maybe you know something of somebody trying to mock you for what you believe, or ridicule you for what you see when you talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. And is that always easy then just to accept that? Of course you doesn't. But God gives grace for you to speak up and to tell others and not be ashamed to do so. He was never ashamed. But oh, but they could say, but, but Paul, listen. This Jesus that you worship, we've killed him. We've put him to death. We are Romans. We saw him. We crucified him. He was there hanging on that cross. What would he say? No, you might have done that, but I met him. I met with him. I had an encounter with him, with the living Christ on the Damascus Road. And this, friends, is what you and I can say. They say what you like. The world can say what they like. I am met with Christ. Who are you tonight if you're a Christian? One who has met with Christ. And you've met with him in the world. And you know what it is, led by the Spirit, that he is alive, that he's the risen Christ. And this, friends, is the center, the focus of the gospel. Christ died and is risen again and is coming again. Do you believe that? Oh, well, I'm not sure. My friend, if you are not sure, you're not a Christian. The Christian believes with all his heart. The Christian has been convinced by the Spirit of God of the truth of the gospel and believes and casts himself upon the Lord. That the risen Christ. Friends, we have to forget any other way, whatever anyone says, however well it may be presented. And you hear plenty nowadays of arguments for believing this, that, and the next thing. 
And you see, friends, if this is not at the focus of the preaching, there is no gospel. The gospel that never challenges, indeed, that never offends in that sense, is no gospel at all. The gospel that doesn't emphasize the risen, the dying, and the risen Christ and his coming again, his return, is not the true gospel. It is the Christ of that gospel that you need to believe, that I need to believe, that everyone needs to believe to be saved. And if we believe that, surely it says that we're not ashamed of it. And we should never be ashamed to declare it. We should never be ashamed to declare what we believe. It's amazing nowadays how you can say anything you like about anything else, but don't open your mouth about believing in Christ. And you're immediately shouted down and mocked and ridiculed. You are plenty today about philosophy. You are plenty today about evolution and what that means. But my dear friend, what we must do, whatever, and there may be people who are far cleverer than us, who can argue in ways that we just cannot even understand. But this is what you and I must do. Here is the word of God. Here is my Bible. This is what it tells me. This is what I believe in my heart. I'm not ashamed to say so. Whatever you say, and whatever this philosopher says, or anyone else says, this is what we believe. And the sad thing, friends, today is so many churches in our land, and in other lands as well, I'm sure. Well, I know indeed it is. There's a watered-down gospel trying to fit in for the philosophies of the day, trying to in with the evolutionary teaching. Well, we don't have to believe this. You do. This is the gospel. This is what is necessary. And if you don't believe it, you cannot and will not be saved. This is what is brought before us here time and time again. A gospel that demands repentance. A gospel that demands a right about turn in our lives. This whole idea of conversion, it's the idea of a military term, is a turning around. This is what we believe. This is what believe has happened to us if we are the Lord's. And if you are the Lord's, you will have known this conversion. And if you haven't known this conversion, change in your life, you are not the Lord's. Whatever you may think, this is what's necessary for us all. And what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus is exactly the same must happen to you and I. There's no difference between what Paul happened to Paul and what happens to all who believe in the Lord. It's about a transformation. I am not ashamed of it. I am not ashamed of the Christ who brought about transformation. I am not ashamed of the Christ who died for my sins, who took my punishment upon himself. And so we walk by faith, and we do so now in a different direction. That's what Paul is doing. Before, he was full of religion. Oh, my friends, the great danger in our part of the world of, maybe not so much sadness, yours in one sense at least, of just religiosity. Plenty around, but that's not enough. And if you're here tonight and all you are is religious, it is not enough. You'll be numbered with the Pharisees. You'll be numbered with the Paul before his conversion. That is not what is needed. 
What you need is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And to tell others and to show others. You know, I was reading another story about a man who became a Christian many, many in, a, in a Roman. It was actually it was said about, about in the early third century, gathering of people. And uh, one was telling, an old Christian was telling about how he had been converted. And after he finished, another man came up and whispered to him, whispered to him, I'm also a Christian. And the man said, looked at him and said, Now you say you are, but I can't believe it if you're only whispering it. My friend, are you just whispering that you're a Christian? What does that say about you? What does that say about your view of Christ? What does that say about what you believe Christ has done for you? I'll just whisper it, keep it quiet, and not to tell anyone. Paul then was not ashamed. Paul, transformed by the power of God. Paul, speaking out and not ashamed. So then, friends, thirdly, what about ourselves? Are we ashamed? And why we should not be, surely? To believe in Christ. To believe in the power of God in his resurrection, his coming again, in transforming my life, in atoning for my sins, is believe in the gospel. That's what we need. The fact that you are now, if you're a Christian tonight, and Paul believed this now like he never did before, that he had been heading for hell with all his religion. But now he had been saved by the grace of God, the power of God unto salvation. That's what he was bound for. My dear Christian friend tonight, you know very well that's where you were bound. And it's only by the power of God. Oh, then why are we ashamed? Why don't we shout it more from the rooftops? Why don't we speak to our neighbors and within our own families? If someone saved you, as it were, from drowning or from a fire or from a great sickness or whatever, saved your life, wouldn't you want to tell people about it? Wouldn't you want to point out that person and say, come, I'll tell you what that man did for me. See that woman, what she saved my life. Tell everybody about how wonderful you see them now. And here is we're saying that we have a Savior who has died for our sins and we're keeping silent. And we seem to be ashamed of it. Isn't that what it is? Why do we hide these things? Oh, well, I don't find it so easy to speak as some others do. It's all right for you up in a pulpit. You can speech away. My friend, it is just as hard sometimes for a minister to witness to those around him, to our shame outside of the pulpit. And you might be saying here tonight to yourself, well, I think my lifestyle speaks for me. What I don't do now and where I don't go now like I used to, everybody knows that my life has changed. Is that it? Is that as far as your witness goes? My friend, 
hard as it is, maybe you should admit, and I should admit at times, I'm ashamed of my Savior. Now, I have no doubt that all of us here, at time, one time or another, have been ashamed, if we are honest, before the Lord. We hear bad language, the Lord's name taken in vain, and we say nothing. We have opportunities to defend the name of Christ, and we say nothing. Silence. Friends, whether we like it or not, that silence speaks loudly, ashamed. Why else would you not speak up? Well, it's embarrassing. Oh, if Christ had said about you, my friend, I'm embarrassed. I wouldn't like to do for him what I'm going to do. It's an shame and shameful for us if that is so. You know what, friends? Paul wouldn't like your company and mine. He would be ashamed of us. He wouldn't spend very long with us in our silence. Think of Peter when he denied the Lord. Then the gospel demands that we speak up. The gospel demands that we be light in the dark world that we live in. Can you say honestly before the Lord tonight, I am not ashamed ever of witnessing for the Lord. And if we do believe that he has done what he has done for us, how can we keep silent? How are we not publishing it everywhere? If you are here tonight and you know that Christ has died for you, that he has saved me like Paul. Oh, should we not shout it from the rooftops and tell others, come here, I'll tell what he did for my soul. Come and I'll tell you about this Savior. Come and I'll tell you about what he can do for you as well. We should witness in that way. Nobody else seems to be ashamed to speak about things they believe in. Whether it's an atheist, he'll loudly tell everybody he's an atheist. I don't believe in God. He's not ashamed. Whether it's one of these sodomites of the day, listen to them. None of them are ashamed of such an abomination. None of them keep quiet about it. Whether other horrible things they would even to speak about, nobody keeps to care about, they'll tell others about it, what they believe and what they are going to do. But here we are, Christians, with the greatest message, who has more done for us than anything or anyone else could do, Christ dying for our sins, and we're ashamed to tell others and to speak of it. Yes, say again, friends, don't think I am speaking to you and not to myself. It is true, I believe, of us all. All here then. 
is not ashamed of the gospel. And when you hear tonight in this, and it's a small concrete group of people gathered here, and a large number of those gathered here tonight profess to be Christians, of all the billions in the world who have not and are not yet saved, and the Lord has saved you and I. How can we stay silent about that? How do we not speak up and tell others about it? You see, friends, what's important is not about hearing the gospel, but believing the gospel. That is what we need above everything else. The power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. That's the gospel. To everyone that believeth, there is the connection. It's the gospel. It's believing the gospel. Gospel of Christ, believing in Christ. And telling others of it, not being ashamed of that power. In a very real sense, friends, and I, I don't uh, have no shame in saying this, it is very much in your own hands. That's not taking away the sovereignty of God, election of God. But you won't be there on the last day saying, well, I went to church and I tried the best I could. I wasn't elect, so I wasn't saved. That is just an excuse. It is now for you to make sure, to make your calling and election sure. It is now for you to do it and then to stand and not to be ashamed. Oh, you see, but I think that's very harsh. I think that it's not easy for me. You've got to realize the kind of person I am. You've got to realize that it's not so easy for me to tell others about it. Well, my friend, make sure that you're not making an excuse. Because God will give you the grace to speak. And even, you know what, friend, tonight itself, when you go home tonight, before you go to your bed, speak to others. Pick up the phone. You know, sometimes it's to our own families that's the hardest thing to do. Speak to them. Witness to them. Don't be ashamed to do so. Speak to your neighbor, first opportunity you have in your workplace tomorrow. Be determined when you go in, when you go to school or whatever, speak about the Lord. When you go to your workplace, make an effort. Tell them. Opportunities are there. They're always there for us if we take the opportunities. And this is what we need to do. I know maybe it's sometimes not easy. But look at Paul, what he was facing, and that didn't stop him. Look at your Savior and what he was facing to save your soul. But that didn't stop him. Surely then we should witness like the apostle here. Let all of us be determined tonight to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For me, I believe it is the power of God unto salvation. Can you say that tonight? Well, if you can say it's the power of God for you and to your salvation, surely then you cannot, you dare not 
be ashamed. Let us pray. Oh, blessed Lord, what shall we render to thee for all thy gifts to us? There are many in this gathering tonight, and we have been saved, and we believe that we've been saved. We have been saved through the gospel, through Christ in the gospel. Enable us then never, ever to be ashamed of it. To show forth to others that we have been with Jesus. Lord, enable us, we pray thee. Give us the strength to do so, the grace to do so, and not to make excuses as we so often do. May this very evening itself be an evening when we would not allow an opportunity to pass by again. And in our gathering here, our dear friends who are still without God and without hope, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, that thou would have them consider their ways and come to know the power of God in the gospel, in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.